Welcome to episode four of Progress City Radio. I'm the Duke of Hoagies. Tonight, joining me is Salt Masaki. Suck me sideways. Suck me, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and Scoodle. Uh, can I get a quarter pounder with cheese, no onion, and maybe a liter of cola, please? <sighs> Aging Dr. Faggot. <laughs> Here, present. Anyway, can we try you said you were going to go try a quarter pounder with onions. Have you done it yet? Uh, no, you never took me. So I'm um, not wasting my money. Well, I saw you were cooking a plate of, of onions tonight. You posted in the Facebook chat. So l- let me get this straight. So you'll cook a plate of onions and eat that, but you won't get onions on the hamburger. It was, it was actually for soup. So we made a lentil soup today, and we put in some chopped onion and like fried it up. So you really you can't even taste it. It's raw. It's not raw. So when you say you're not going to waste your money on a quarter pounder of cheese, is this is a McDonald's burger something that you consider to be some form of investment? And as in, do I get a return from it? Uh, depends on what we consider a return here. So if it's I, I would a think just, terrible I would stomach think, ache. I would think just for the sake of not being tormented by us any longer, you would have gone and spent $2 on that thing. Anyway, so Scoodles knows a certain person that got him into a Toy Story preview today. And uh, I believe this is the first preview they've had for cast members, right? Or cast members and guests, I guess you could say. Tell us about it. When you walked in, what were you thinking? All right, so we showed up about 1 o'clock at our... Our time it was only for about a two-hour window. Um, very very short time to to go in and take a look at the ride. Um, it was just for the Slinky Dog Dash coaster. So it was as usual the Disney Planter City. The second that you walk in, everything else except the Slinky Dog Dash was completely covered up with planters everywhere. Um, the other side of the Toy Story Land is nothing but still a hard hat zone. Um, so I, if I'm not mistaken, today was the first day for cast member preview. Tomorrow there's going to be doing it as well, and then it kind of goes up into um, more previews all for the rest of the week. So it's kind of the kickoff to it. And in true theme park fashion, the second that we get there, uh, there we watch two groups of people being um, – evac'd off the ride uh, because it is down so unfortunately i didn't get to ride the ride today um but it's a pretty impressive land uh, so where did right, you go so, how do you enter the land so the way that we did is directly beside toy store midway mania so it's it's you're gonna have to take a right as soon as you um, get to pixar place right there and you'll get to you know, Toy Story Midway Mania will be the new entrance over there. You'll also have the, um, what is it, the alien ride there. Mm-hmm. It's um, And that was all still covered up and nothing but construction workers everywhere today. So it was uh, completely no photography, nothing of the sort, and they were very, very strict about it. So I was kind of hoping I was going to sneak some pictures, but um, no, not going to happen today. So, I mean, I don't think you were implying this, but I mean, just for the sake of our own credibility, I don't think that there's anything whatsoever embarrassing or shameful about the fact that this early on they're having to evac people or that there's plants. Oh, not at all. I mean, the place is not open. So, I mean, it's, I I just, we have a tendency to sometimes be critical. I I don't particularly think there's anything wrong with criticizing things Uh, you care about, but this, but just, (laughs) you know, obviously at this point, they are. This is the alpha equivalent. If this were a software project, like this thing is going to have bugs, it's going to crash. Absolutely. So, 
And it's but, considered a test and adjust. That's what, I mean, you were, you were told prior to even thinking about going in, there's a very good possibility you're not going to ride this or you're going to get stuck on it or they're going to test or they'll stop the ride and do a test evac of the ride. It is nothing but testing. And so it's completely expected. Now, you said you like the land. In your opinion, is it something that... Um, as just a person who likes theme parks, am I going to want to go over there and check it out, or is it geared so heavily toward kids that I'm not going to care? Or could uh, you not tell based on how, the level of completion? Yeah, so I think it would be a. It's going to be great for just anyone that loves the detail of a theme park. Um, very much onto that Disney scale of. I don't want to say Pandora, but it's very much on that same scale as Pandora. So every detail, even though it is toy themed, is done perfectly. Um, it, it, I'm very nervous to see this land go the way of, uh, for example, Seuss's Landing at Universal, where it's very bright colors throughout, and they're going to fade within the next few years unless they continue to keep the painting up. But um, it, it's if you if you go today, I mean, it is bright, it is beautiful. I mean, in every single detail is there. From uh, the the benches are made out of popsicle sticks, or it looks like it's made out of popsicle sticks. Um, the It'd be funny if it's actually made out of popsicle sticks. <laughs> it, it would be, it, right? Is it wood? A wood bench, or is it like metal I, made to look like? It to me, it, it's it's not metal, but I think it's just wood that's coated. Um, I bet it's not wood. I bet it's some sort of uh, like you know, like. Uh, Polymer, carbon like fiber, plastic, kind of yeah. like material. like the wood beams and like Seven Doors Mine Train around the frames that hold up like the uh, yeah the, the wood cube entrances and stuff like that where it's like it looks wood, like wood, wood but when you touch it touch it it's like concrete. Yeah, that's what I would imagine we're dealing with here. Exactly, and now the the size that you are um, is probably the little miniature army man size. So it's uh, it's really interesting because you know you have to be smaller than the other toys because you're riding with Slinky Dog. You have um, Jesse and Rex um, all around the coaster, um, Buzz Lightyear's over there. And so you're at one of the smaller toys and um, the scale is actually there. It's it's to the point where even when you look, you'll love this one, Josh, all the sight lines, when you're looking around the back end of the park, uh, it's made to look like a picket fence. So it's very, very detailed all the way from looking the second you walk in all the way through the in, entire land. It is absolutely, uh, the detail is there, and I love it. Yeah, that's uh, good enough for me. I was just hoping it wasn't going to be on par with, like, Mickey's Toontown or something where it was so cheesy that, like, uh, you know, I'd never even step foot in it. No, um, it's really, uh, another really fun thing is that you see footprints, large, huge footprints of where, um, I think it could have been where Andy's walking or it might be other toys. I, I don't know. I don't know the story. I mean, it was very much just go in and, you know, explore a little bit what you can. Um, but man, it's, it's, the detail is amazing. And the Slinky Dog poster, the cool thing about it is it's a pretty large coaster. It's bigger than I expected. Um, and for me, I went in thinking it was going to be like uh, the Barnstormer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a very quick uh, kitty coaster, but it's it doesn't uh, was from, it, the, from the scale of it, it takes up the entire Dadgum Land. Was it quite like quite? Did you actually see it moving or no? Now, the second we walked in, it, there were people sitting at the right at the the starting piece prior to the the launch, and then right at the end. And then we watched them get evac'd, and we stood around for about an hour, hour and a half, waiting to get confirmation that the ride wouldn't be back open for the rest of the day. So, so, was, so, so, you, so you never even saw it run? Never got to see it run. Wow. I was just yeah. wondering if it was like, you know, that new, quiet, like, gliding coaster sound? 
it, it has to. It, it, it looks good. Um, and it's, it's almost like a roar, kind of. Well, that's one thing that, you know, B&M is, fam is famous for having that, that sort of roar because they use a box to connect the two track beams instead of a tube, which is what most of them use. And apparently that affects the acoustics. So there's a few coasters around the country that they've built. I think Mako's one and uh, one of the ones at Busch Gardens Tampa, I don't remember which one, where they actually filled that with sand in order to try and deaden that, that noise a little bit because they have sort of a notorious sound. Didn't they How's do that? that on Hawk too? Or is that, I don't even know if that's a B&M coaster, but I know like it has that, that roar. That is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Hulk definitely has that. But that's like how all those yeah. B&M would sound. I, I don't think that's synthetic. I think that's just a consequence of that track design. I think this one uses a triangle-shaped track, right? Yes. This is a Vekoma coaster, is it not? Which I don't I, even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> that's the manufacturer. I would have not a clue. Didn't they do yeah, rock and roll sure. coasters too? Mm. Or no, I know I know that was an off-the-shelf one, but I don't know who who designed it. Yeah, there's another there's another coaster I think in Germany or somewhere in Europe that's it's exactly the exactly same. Exactly the same. Yeah, if you ever want to know what it was like to ride it out outdoor, just go on YouTube and look up the uh, I can't remember the name. I think it's like Alton Towers is the park or something. It's the same exact roller coaster as Rock and Roller Coaster. It's just outdoor. It goes in like you know the same inversion. I think it's exactly that too. They just ordered it and put a, a sound yep. stage over it, pretty much. That's it. But it works, so I mean, I don't know. I mean, ninety-nine point nine percent of the people who go through there aren't going to know that. No, I mean, honest, even if you knew it, I mean, when you're riding in the dark, yeah, you it's a completely different it's experience. Like, I dare you to even Space Mountain, something that's been there since what nineteen seventy-five that you've ridden a thousand times. Yeah, like, I'll give you a million dollars if you could draw the track later on that just by riding it. Like, there's just yeah. no way. It's totally disorienting, and that thing's just going in circles. I've been on that thing easily over a hundred times, and I couldn't draw an exact track layout of how it goes. No, when I had Coaster Tycoon, or uh, there's another program I used to have, Coaster Creator, I tried so hard to figure out that was. I actually went on it trying to like make notes, and I'm like, fuck. It's just so hard we draw it in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> He's just holding the pen. It's just G-forces. <laughs> <laughs> my, my track layout after that looked like Michael J. Fox trying to draw a smiley face. <laughs> oh, oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> now, was the back entrance open to Toy Story Mania? No, so Midway Mania is closed until opening. So that is uh, until, opening, yeah. until opening of the, the Toy Story Land coming up at the end of the month. So uh, they are, it's you know, it the actual queue, uh, the outside queue piece. Well, they made an outside queue um, for everyone with the test and adjust to kind of be uh, staged to go into the land. Uh, it was very, very, very few people in there. I would say at a, what, maybe 150 200 people at a time it was very 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 dead uh, and that's kind of meant to be that way for that test and adjust period i'm absolutely excited for the um alien the swirling saucers so it's very similar to the um the mater uh ride out in toy story land mm -hmm. i got to watch that run a little bit while um constru construction guys were uh, i guess working on it and kind of testing that piece of it it just looks really cool so, so that's completely indoor right um, it's it's covered, so it's not completely indoor, but it is a, a covered attraction. Oh, I was hoping uh, that it was going to have like windows around the outside, just so they could keep it air conditioned inside. No, um, and one bad thing about this, and I don't want to talk bad about it because it's an amazing looking uh, location, but there is no shade whatsoever. I was there midday today. I could not find a single inkling of shade. Um, and I'm okay the, with that. I'll, I'll tell you <laughs> what, it's hotter than balls right now, and I get it, but. I'm gonna. I'm just. This is my sort of thesis attraction as to how shade destroys theming. Test mm -hmm. track. If you pulled away these sort of, 
completely ineffective attempts to give shade to people, the, the aesthetics of these parks would be so much better. And I, I think we're going to hit on it later, but I, I feel like aesthetics are something that operations doesn't typically care about. And it'll be interesting. I'm always curious when these lands get built. It seems like there's, there's always this sort of unified vision that, that cares about sight lines and aesthetics when the design people are in there. Mm -hmm. And once the ops people get it, you never really know what it's going to turn into. And that's always sort of a scary thing for me. So it'll so be interesting to see what this looks like in five years. You always want to hit these lands like the first month or two when they're open. And that's same mm -hmm. with attractions too, because it's the only time you're going to see a lot of times when like everything's working or everything's functioning mandatory. the way they, they, yeah, mandatory. And then after like all the press and stuff is over, that's when the ops yep. will come in and start raping it with stuff. Yep. Theme park attractions, there's sort of a, there's an inherent conflict between the idea of creating an experience and being efficient. You know, we're not actually doing anything in the real world when you put someone on a theme park attraction. You're not actually flying them from one city to another. You're not driving them across country. There's no concept of efficiency. It's all about an experience. So this is, there's this inherent conflict in my mind that the theme park industry faces because they want to give a great experience to people, but they also want to give it to as many people as possible. And those are incompatible. And like the, a super easy example of this is the hydrolators at, at the Living Seas. You know, can you have more throughput on a ride if you take the hydrolator experience out at the beginning? Yes, you can. But you are, by definition, uh, sort of destroying part of the thematic experience that you're giving to everyone. So I, I almost feel like, <laughs> in some ways, the best thing that you could ever do in terms of ensuring that all of your guests have a good experience would be to never let the ops guys change anything from what the Imagineers originally conceive of, which obviously is a completely unpragmatic and unworkable solution. But we've just seen time and time again that once once the real world business necessities start to rear their ugly head, mm. we get it we get a degraded experience. Goddamn bankers. Set it up. <laughs> Fucking lawyers and accountants, man. Ruining everything since day one. Oh, I was going to say sight lines. Uh, the one beautiful thing that you can see directly from uh, the queue line and um, the for the Slinky Dog uh, coaster is uh, I was going to say Pandora. Jesus Christ, this is um, this is me trying to have something. Let me try again. Let's back up and punt. Star Wars well, Land. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Star not, Wars Land. Not really. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, you can just stare at Star Wars Land. Um, all everything direct directly um there nothing but mountains and everything all right cool well um i want to go there next but it's it's one of those things where you're like all right well i'm going to turn around now and stare at everything within um toy story land but wait 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 wait, wait, wait. back up there I, yep. yeah i'm lost i, I want to unpack what you just said there so uh, you're telling me that when you're standing in the heart of toy story land that the sight line is infringed upon by the star wars land absolutely so you'll be able to see the mountains of Star Wars Land from inside. Toy Story Land? Yes. Uh, is that, do you think, uh, do they, is it good or is it a mess? No, it, I, mean, I didn't, it, it, if I, it's one of those things where I'm looking at it and now I can never unsee it. But if you were just in the park experiencing and looking at everything within Toy Story Land, you're never going to notice it. But it's one of those things like if you looked at World Showplace in Epcot, um, or even um, the part of the um, of the ride um, of the show show building for um, Soren. You know, if you're looking out over that area and you realize that oh, that's just a blue building right there, you can never unsee it again, right? So it's okay. one of those things where it, it's once you look at it and it starts to bother you, yeah, you're gonna look back at it and be like, oh, well, damn. 
but at night, uh, I'm excited to see this at night because there's nothing but old school Christmas lights everywhere. Um, like the they're, they're huge the bulbs. Ones, you're, like you're, 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 bulbs. Exactly, but you're supposed to be tiny, you know. Right. So they're just massive. So I am. Um, I'm going to be happy to see that at night. So I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing that next week. God, I'm having deja vu to how we talked about Pandora right now. That's the only thing that scares me about that. I didn't see any black lights or any of the paint that they use in Rock and Bull. So that's good. It does yeah. seem to me like this is a more achievable goal. You know, mm. scale is something that, I, I mean, give credit where credit is due. Disney has demonstrated time and time again that they understand proportions and they, they know how to use scale to, to great effect, dating all the way back to the first instances of using force perspective. So I have a little more confidence that they can pull this off in a way that is sustainable more so than I did with their attempt to, you know, the quote unquote magnificent lighting package we were supposed to get with Pandora that was never quite delivered upon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still waiting for like walking and having my footprints light up when I take a step and everything. Yeah, keep waiting, buddy. <laughs> they pretty much threw like rock salt down and then put a black light on it. Done. Oh, I, I hate it. Just <laughs> nailed it. Next. <laughs> you think they got a guy who just goes around at night and just like you know, it's like old man Marley from like Home Alone, just puts the salt down everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's some black lights on it, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so we're talking about sight lines. We got to talk about some buildings going up in Epcot. That, oh. I don't know how this is going to look, but like the Guardians of the Galaxy building, like looks to be like three quarters of the height of Spaceship Earth. So that's definitely going to take away the aesthetic of looking at Spaceship Earth. I mean, you're going to have this huge, I guess, box in the air. I'm sure they'll try to paint it like white, or maybe they'll use those like spoopy gold. I'm being sarcastic when I say spoopy there. The spoopy gold PVC pipes and stuff like they used on the building <laughs> on out the tower. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that or uh, what's Operation Breakout or whatever um, over at DCA. So, oh, you know what? Actually, I wanted to ask one more thing about that that coaster. This kind of sightline related. The Slinky Dog coaster. And this is a question for Tim: Are the exposed ports a big deal? Like, do no. they take away from anything? Not at all, and that's that's one thing that I loved is because throughout the like even the the railing are not are not is made made of nothing but large looking um uh, what is it the the connecty connect connects connects, connects yeah. exactly that thing um and then a, a part of the structure that's holding up the coaster and all around it where Rex and um, Jesse are are old um, building blocks like actual like the wooden building blocks the other half of it is um, just other different types of toys it looks to be thrown everywhere so it's it actually looks pretty cool so the so, supports from the coaster looks like toys in some parts of it um, but it, it really matches very well so it's painted to the color that it's it's you know either red yellow or what have you it's um it's really kind of cool looking it, it it to me it doesn't take away anything from uh, the land whatsoever it just makes it something i want to ride because you see slinky go by and even the detail of just seeing the, the coils on slinky that that's you know what you're getting into um on the on the attraction it's really kind of um i was surprised i was expecting it to be shit and it's not shit this time all right see as <laughs> As, as someone who sometimes worries about the slippery slope and the implications of what certain changes mean for the future, uh, I think that the Slinky Dog Coaster is sort of the 
inevitable follow-on to what happened after they put Chester and Hester's in. Like once they put that, what was that? What is that murderous coaster there? The, uh, oh, the world. world. Yeah, the world. <laughs> you know, an off-the-shelf piece of garbage coaster that whose theming is is predicated solely on plywood painted with, uh, you know, crap paint from Home Depot. Yeah. Uh, it was only a matter of time before we got a more conventional-looking coaster in the park, and I have to say. If you were to go back in time to when when that was put in and ask me what I think this is going to open the door for, it would have been a lot worse than the Slinky Dog Coaster because I think the Slinky Dog Coaster is infinitely better than than that ride is. So, I just do I worry about what we're going to be seeing thrown in there in ten years? Yeah, I do because I don't want to see the Disney parks turn into Six Flags over Orlando. But um, you know, it seems like at least there is a defensible explanation for the theming here that doesn't require you to have read like a press packet in order to understand what it is well i mean when tron goes in it's going to have exposed beam for the when it goes across like the uh the walkway and everything like that for like like the queue at least the one i'm okay with that that thing it's just like a small section though like you would never look at that i mean i think when you look at it holistically yeah like if you just show me one piece of steel i'd be like okay well why is that in a disney park but when you look at that uh shanghai tron attraction it looks fucking great like there's there's no doubt whatsoever that they put a tremendous amount of care and expense into making that thing look awesome. So yeah, I hope that, the, the roof lights right. up and looks all spooky. <laughs> <laughs> it just as a, a correction to my earlier statement, by the way, I, I, I looked up on Wikipedia. Uh, the Slinky Dog Coaster is built by a company out of Germany called Mac Rides, which I have to admit I've never heard of them before. It's a so we need pri- to get Mac on for that. Yeah, this is Mac <laughs> with a K, different Mac. But it's a, a private family company that was founded in 1780. So uh, if this thing sucks, it won't be for a lack of experience. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, back to Epcot. We're talking sight lines on there. So, yeah, the, this Guardian of the Galaxy building, it looks like to be, from the pictures I've seen from far away and uh, seeing it up close, I mean, it's, I don't know, if it's. it looks like it's more than halfway as high as Spaceship Earth. It looked and taller than that than me from the pictures I saw. It looks like it's yeah. almost the same height. Yeah, and, and I don't know how much higher it's going. Yeah. Well, they said it's a 10-story building. Is it Spaceship Earth 186 feet or something like that? So, Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know, you, got, you got Wikipedia. What's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that would be half, roughly, but, oh, man. I just, all I know is anyone who ever was at Disney or at Epcot when the wand was there knows that like if you want to it's like it's like looking at a construction worker standing on top of a building that looks impressive because of forced perspective like it ruins it you can't you can't insert something that your brain knows what its size is and expect forced perspective to still work that whole illusion is dependent upon you being devoid of references that you you can cognitively understand so i'm a little concerned that this is going to really fuck up spaceship earth yeah, that's my thought too. You, you know, it just Spaceship Earth isn't meant to have anything around that. We learned it with the wand. Yep. yep. Um, I mean, I don't know what you do in this case. You gotta, if that's the site you chose to build this ride and it has to be that tall, what are you going to do? I mean, it, it sucks, but I don't know. I'd, I'd rather not have some huge right. tower standing next to Spaceship Earth. Um, and then have them be like, oh, well, we'll just paint it blue, and then sometimes it'll match <laughs> if the lighting's right. Or they'll more likely they'll project something on it or something like that. 
I, you know, I can never have these conversations without feeling like I'm dating myself as an old man. Yeah. But when you, when you look at that universe of energy building, it's just like all of the architecture in Future World Origin was just, it was just so inspired and unique and it fit together and there was just this unified theme and it had this aesthetic that it felt like you were walking into the future. And, uh, you know, we've done plenty of shows about how maybe that was a bad strategy to begin with because these things were going to date themselves out. But of all of the things in Future World that, that had an expiration date on them, the architecture was the one thing that didn't. Yeah. You know, all of those original buildings still would look awesome today. There was nothing about the exterior of those show buildings that had to be changed in order to, to uh, you know, allow that park to move into the future. It was what was inside of them that was the problem. And instead, you know, instead of fixing the innards, it's like they're just wrecking the aesthetic. I feel like they're ruining the one thing that still worked. <laughs> you think I hope that's what they have meetings for. Like, what's still working there? All right, how can you do that? <laughs> Johnson, run the numbers. <laughs> I'm not trying to bet against the home team. I hope this attraction is great, but it's like it, there's just a part of me that, and, and I've so I've mentioned this on other shows. I've kind of given up on it. I feel like you know the hope for Epcot to be what I loved it as is just gone. There's going to come a point at which I just have to stop talking about it, I guess. But like every time they chisel away something that that was great to me, it, it's just still a little bit sad. Yeah, I, I actually when I was in there the other day, I was like walking around, just thinking it was hot as balls. So I was, I was just thinking, like, man, it finally hit me. It's like I just I was walking around the land, I walked out, I was walking around World Showcase, and I thought, why am I still coming here? Like I still like it there, and I, but I, like, what am I still trying to hold on to here? It's yeah. like not here. And really what uh, what got me is I was standing over in World Showcase and I was looking back on that big Guardians of the Galaxy Tower coming up next to Spaceship Earth. And it's like, all right, it's getting to the point now where I can't look at this and be like, and, and try to hold on to something that's not there anymore. And then I'm looking over at the Ratatouille building. And it's like damn near as high as like the mosque. It's like next to Morocco. And I'm like, it's just, it's changing to the point where I can't like deny it anymore, I guess. It's and also I, and I got my the, car and it left. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. It's also changing to the point where just a, a pragmatic understanding of how the company works leads you to the inevitable conclusion that these changes they're making are never going to be undone. You know, yeah. this this is uh, it, it's it's sort of the downside of being someone who's been into Disney as a hobby for a long time. You re, you start to be able to sense the difference between mistakes that are reversible and those that are permanent. And it, it gets hard to swallow the ones that you know are never going to be, be be fixed. Now it was the first time that I like realized that like all right, it's gone. It's not. I need to stop hoping. That, like oh, yeah. they're going to fix this. It's you know it's still okay. If I only go in the land pavilion, I'll be all right. And it's like, you know, it's just I just found myself wondering what the hell I was doing. Now I still like Epcot and I'll still go back and everything, but uh, I don't think my trips will probably be as frequent anymore. It's kind of just like I need to just step away let them finish this stuff and just right. try to try to start taking a new look at it and stop taking uh, a vintage look at it no i so. think that's exactly right and that's that's the question that i don't know the answer to and i'm and I'll, I'll try and be less negative here and a little bit more um optimistic what i what i just lack the ability to understand is for a person who comes to the park now for the first time is it something that's going to create an impression that touches them in a way that in that you know if they're 10 today when they come back in 20 or 30 years are they going to have the same sort of affection for the place that i do um my my sense is no 
But I also recognize that, you know, the one thing about bias is that you generally don't know that you have them. So maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I'm the idiot, and I just don't understand that what Disney's doing today is creating the love for the place that's going to, you know, persist for the next 30 years for the people who are now experiencing it for the first time. But my sense is that um, the company used to be sort of in pursuit of things that were timeless and and wholesome in a way that just attaches to the human experience, whereas today they're just sort of going after the you know trend du jour and things that are going to be much more flash in the pan and temporary. Well, one big thing to me, especially with Epcot, is that, and that I'm seeing with just Disney in general, is the ability to bring in other companies, sponsored companies. Uh, it's more difficult. Uh, for example, I about two weeks ago, I took the Undiscovered Future World tour. Uh, it was, you know, I think it was started at right at 9 a.m. right or 8:30 in the morning prior to the park opening, and we went through Future World and it, and we went through the undiscovered future world and just to hear through one of these tour guides the mental gymnastics that disney has to do to prove that what they're doing right now is the most amazing thing ever it's absolutely kind of embarrassing just knowing that they're trying to feed this to guests that might not know um you know for you know what was in future world what you know what's in the interventions building that's or what was in the interventions building they are telling us now that oh it's new stuff coming it was never supposed to be the same all the time like well funny story that shit's been empty for a while and then if you're only getting an insurance company and a paint company uh to to throw in a couple bucks to make a exhibit you're not really hitting on much where's sega where's everything that used to be fun um, but it's really kind of, kind that's of a sh- that's an episode right there. Where's Sega? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Sonic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you know what? There's a, a drone show that's being rumored. There's an area out back of the Japan Pavilion that's being cleared away. Jim Hill saying on his show that this is rumored to be the launching point for the new drone shows that you remember the drone show they had at Disney Springs during the Christmas yep. where the drones came out. I was sad that they, it wasn't here last year. Yeah, yeah. no, it was awesome. So it's supposed to be part of the new, whatever the new illuminations is going to be. But the thing they're saying now is that when the drones take off and land, they'll have to close a section of the walkway around world showcase because these drones, a drone might fall out of the sky because they were falling in the water apparently um, <laughs> during the Disney Springs version. And so they'll have to close the walkway for all these drones to come out. Then I guess let the walkway be open, I'm guessing, during the show and then close it again so they can all go back. How's that? Do you, like operationally, do you think that's just going to oh, be fine? No, it'll be I'm fine. Up, I mean, think I'm about how Magic King. Think about it, Magic Kingdom right now when the parade goes through at three oh, o'clock. That's true, yeah. It's that's simple. I mean, and the same as they close it when the fireworks barge comes out, uh, you know, over the um, African armpit over there. It's it's simple. It's yeah. You're I'm okay with a whole that. in five minutes. If you're gonna have if you're gonna have any kind of overhead show in an area that is full of people. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is an intractable problem. I don't care if we we could fast forward right now uh, with a flux capacitor a thousand years in the future. If you're going to put things over the heads of thousands of people, you have to take those sort of safety precautions. So I, I don't have a problem with that. What about when they have the ultralights down like misty flips or <laughs> what was that called? The kaleidoscope. Yeah. I mean, I've I don't I don't know if I ever went to Epcot when that show was on. I feel like yeah. it was right in the time when I was there kid but i honestly don't have any memory of it but i've seen lots of video of it mm-hmm. and 
oh my god it just seems like you want to talk about ambitious and almost doomed to fail like <laughs> holy crap it really does give you some insight as to how much how far they were reaching back then versus what they're doing now yeah oh pretty, I, uh, pretty crazy uh, shit if for anyone hasn't looked at that just just type that into youtube and pop a back popcorn I'm guessing Intel will still be behind this show since it's their technology, which I'm perfectly yeah. okay with having Intel in there. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish they had, like, interventions. Like, they had a bunch of their latest processors and it shows you, like, how they work and stuff like that. Almost like Adventures to Inner Space where they just show you, like, the, you know, the process of how they're made and all, like, all the little crystals and stuff in there. I mean, or, even if they just... I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd be down for that as well. I'd love to ride through a microprocessor. But even if in interventions, all they had were... A few of those drones and explain the technology there. I mean, mm -hmm. I, it, what's amazing to me is that Epcot opened in 1982. Back then, if you were a person who was really interested in computers, you, you were what people would call a nerd. That was like yeah. that was an insulting term back then. Ham like radio was the net back then. But people made fun of these guys. Yeah. You know, whereas today, you know, it's cool to be in technology, whether you're yep. male or female or whatever. And it just, it blows my mind that in 1982, when technology wasn't really viewed as being a socially acceptable, cool thing to spend your life committed to, uh, that this park was able to, to exist. But today, when you've got, you know, the youngest billionaires in the world are almost, uh, almost all uh, in that position because of technology and computers, uh, that they can't find a way to, to make this appealing to people. Just I just don't understand. It seems to me like the the time to uh, you know to push technology is is much. It just seems like a much easier goal to achieve now than it did back then. You're going to have this show that people are blown away by, and you can't see some opportunity to bring Intel as in as a sponsor and show these drones off to people uh, in interventions. I just it just seems to me like there's a lot of low hanging fruit that they either don't care or are too incompetent to pick. The corporate alliance team is absolutely terrible right now. It's you. You see, every couple months, there's a a, a job posting at on you know the the Disney Careers website, um, just looking for outside um, help. You know, just outside employees looking for people what, to bring the one corporate. Why, why do you think that is that because the management above them is not letting them spread their wings and do their jobs, or is it because the people that are in the department are just terrible? I feel in your opinion. Me, I would. I think it's greed. I think that Disney now wants so much money to be a part. You know, pay us this, and also you're going to be responsible for this ride. It, it's very, you know, almost disheartening for companies that, you know, they could use that money for something substantially better, right? Um, but again, you see that Coca-Cola does it, and a lot of the other large, large companies. Um, I mean, hell, I would. I, I I truly don't know, but for me, I would figure that it would be just greed from the company as to how much they want now. Scoodles, if you would have went to a Disney park, let's say mid '90s, hmm. almost everything in the damn park had a corporate sponsor in it. Not just Epcot, Magic Kingdom, like every yeah. everywhere you looked, fucking you go on Space Mountain, FedEx. You yeah, know. <laughs> you, I, you could pretty much name any ride from the '80s. And I can tell you who the sponsor was. And I was a kid. I wasn't using these companies. But that left, it was effective. Yeah. It, it, that impressed upon me the relationship between these things that I loved and these companies that I was previously indifferent to. I mean, but, it was absolutely an effective strategy. Using yeah. the 90s as a reference point because it was after it was about the turn of the century when all that just started going away. All the sponsorships left. And then all their, a lot of the rides that had corporate sponsorships sat for a little bit. 
and then they eventually turned into Disney IPs. And, you know, I don't know if it's because they couldn't find a sponsor or what, or Disney just wanted to have them all as their own. And, or I don't know, something, there was some kind of shift there that was like, you know, this worked for 30 something years. Now all of a sudden we're going to make the shift to Disney IP. And uh, to them, it probably, I mean, given their numbers and record attendance, they probably, I guess, I guess it was the right thing. It doesn't feel like the right thing, but maybe, I mean, you don't know that you don't know the path not taken. I mean, all we can say is that it, it wasn't, it didn't destroy them, but it yeah. doesn't mean it couldn't have been better if they did it different. And the other thing that is worth noting, I think, is that if it changed once, it could change again. It is probably the case that in 30 years, whatever the overarching corporate strategy is today will not be the same. I so, think it all goes back to corporate sponsors. Parks were so much better back then. Well, I, I, would, I, I agree with the sentiment. I would modify the expression of it a little bit. Let's hope it changes to something that doesn't suck. Pandora jewelry. <laughs> yeah. well, Whatever. I have no, no problem with Pandora having its own store on Main Street as opposed to having a single emporium run by Disney going all the way down one side of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, Edie's had, well, Edie sponsors the little ice cream thing. I'm fine with that. Um, they had the Panthor shop. Uh, what's the, uh, that was the other thing I was just thinking of that's right there. Uh, oh, Starbucks. I'm fine with Starbucks being on. People are losing their shit. Oh, you're going to have corporate. Do you remember how big of a thing that was? When Starbucks yep. was going in on Main Street, people were like, you can't have corporate on my Please. Main Street. And it's like, what are you talking about? It's coffee right. everybody loves. It's a store with a business name on top of it. Like they thought they were going to like knock down the building and put up like a brand new store or something like that. Well, there used to be the wizard of bras at Disneyland. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, Walt was not a dummy. You know, he understood OPM, which is doing things with other people's money. And I also, you know, he also understood OPP. If I remember right. <laughs> Are you down with OPP? <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You know me. <laughs> But, you know, you brought up the, the Emporium running the whole length of Main Street. And that uh, that brings up a point. I don't mean to bro be a broken record, but if we brought it up before. But you would think that um, high-quality merchandise would be a market that Disney would want to get into. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not there. And you Disney know, Springs. I, I don't know. I mean, if you want a if you want a high-quality monorail model, you cannot get it. If you want, you know, the, the range, it seems like they've... They've monopolized the extreme low end with crappy T-shirts and crappy toys, and then they have you know the thirty-six thousand five hundred dollar uh, Crystal Castle that you can get in the was it in the Germany Pavilion at Epcot. Yeah. But but like where's the where's the merchandise in the middle? You know where's the high quality two three four five hundred dollar item that's a beautiful high quality keepsake from your from your trip? I mean that stuff's not there. Uh, it seems like a just a glaringly obvious void in their in their well, they, they do have some stuff like uh, the Memento Mori over in uh, Haunted Mansion. You can buy like two hundred dollar, hundred eighty dollar Haunted Mansion figures, and, and the art store on Main Street and stuff has some expensive stuff. The art store on Main Street is probably the closest thing. There's one at Ep what's the one at Epcot called? Art at uh, Disney, I believe. Yeah, I mean that's that's the closest thing, but it, it seems to me that. It, particularly, and, and this is something we're thinking about, is the price of admission goes up. They are essentially moving up market. Yep. They are they are pricing the budget conscious guest out of being able to go to Disney at all. So as they do that, as a strategy, it seems to me that the 
that the merchandise that they sell needs to move up, up market along with it and they haven't done it. You know what I'm saying? If the if the median income of people who are going to Disney with their family right now is $150,000, which mm -hmm. wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you got to have more than a a three dollar, you know, or a twelve dollar keychain that costs eight cents from China. Well, this makes sense why Pandora's on there. I mean, how many people are going to go in and buy jewelry at Magic a Kingdom? A lot. Right? Go people who do, you know. And then the purses. I mean, you you see all of the uh, Gucci's, Dooney and Burke purses. I mean, those are three, you know, three hundred, four hundred bucks right there. I mean, my wife adores them. So I mean, if as soon as the Prince, Princess Tiana purse came out, there goes three hundred bucks of my money. Uh, so it's it's there, um, but it's just not for someone like like for me. I would love a really good model of the monorail to go around the Christmas tree, not the cheap plastic thing that they sell. Right. The yeah, I'm with you there. I would spend good money on that. I mean, I, now, would I had. You would you pay extra for the for the pressurized version? <laughs> that what a segue. Great segue. That's why you're the master. That's why they mentioned you twelve times per episode on the e-ticket report. That's true. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> yeah, so let's, we, we can't afford quality bells around here. <laughs> should, should we talk about the uh, the monorail decompression that happened recently? Yeah, yeah I think we should. All right, so go ahead. Yeah, so there was a story that somebody posted. I don't remember who the original uh, post was because it was like a picture of a camera it was, it was with a picture on it. Website. Oh, was it WWNT? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. I believe it was, or at least they reported it. I don't know if they were the original people to report it, but it was the monorail with three windows out with the caption that said, two windows blown out on, monorail, on the monorail. Yeah, and the verb like, there, it's important to focus on the verb there, it was blown out. Yeah. Which is I mean, ridiculous. All you need to know that that's bullshit is to ever have ridden on a monorail. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so somehow these, and it, you know, it shows there's like, it looks like a little kid sticking his head out the window looking down. Yeah. And so, the, so out of two sets of doors, one had both windows removed and the other, or let's just say missing because they were blown out, remember? Uh, and then another door had one missing. And, you know, some kid sticking his head out the window. But the caption, whoever originally took the photo, put the caption that they were blown out. So right. all these Disney blogging sites are running, oh, there was some kind of, you know, blown out windows, insinuating there was some kind of explosion on the monorail or, or a loss of pressure. And my first <laughs> thought was like, well, this is like, are they thinking, that, like, obviously, it's, I guess, it's sensational or articles that that Cl is Cl clickbait i believe yeah. <laughs> so it was like i mean you had that southwest plane recently where the window was right. missing and, and the the woman got partially sucked out so it's like oh remember that oh look what happened here it's like the monorail suddenly lost pressure at 20 feet above ground you know and it's like right. make sure to secure your mask before helping others <laughs> And that's what I was saying. Is like we should Photoshop a picture of people inside the cab with the little masks that drop down when the cab <laughs> cabin loses pressure. The oxygen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> the cockpit. Uh, we're uh, cruising at an altitude of uh, 18 feet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like before the mask comes down, it's like boo boo. <laughs> they, they got like little mouse ears on them. Or de mask. Uh, but yeah, so I don't I don't know if anybody even like like how do you come to that conclusion? Yeah, the windows blew out. Right. Well, just, I mean, <laughs> so I wish clicks. 
There's two stories here. There is the story about the Disney parks, and then there's the story about journalistic integrity, which I think that the latter is a lot more interesting than the former. Based on now, I, I will admit I don't know any of these people involved. I peruse Facebook casually, and, and this is what I saw.、Mm. So this article was absolutely posted by the site that Tom Corliss is. As far as I know, I don't know if he's the owner or if he's the manager, but he seems to. He certainly appears to be the person who's responsible for what it posts. So after this story went up, and I was immediately like, "Boy, you know, that just—that is a poor choice of words, at the least, because、yeah. it just isn't consistent with with the nature of what a monorail is."、Uh, at some point afterward, he posted. Tom posted a comment saying, "You know, we regret this error. It wasn't properly fact-checked." And my first thought. Was you know that's a reasonable response to this. At least he's taking accountability. Anybody can make a mistake, mistake, whatever. And I posted a comment to that effect in the thread where this correction was posted, and I got lit up by a couple of people saying, you know, this guy's being a, a smacked ass. You know, you, you obviously didn't read the part where he blamed all of his employees. And I'm like, well, I only saw the part that this was on the e-ticket reports、uh, mm-hmm. Facebook page. You know, it was a screenshot of a Twitter post, so I didn't get to see the whole thing. I only saw the part that was in the screenshot. So,、uh, other people posted it, and it basically, and I pulled it up before we started recording because I, I wanted to quote this correctly. This is what he wrote、uh, from Tom Amity Corliss. It would be great if the people who work for me check stories with me so we don't look stupid. Well, I got a response to you there, Tom. That's what being boss is all about. When the people who are below you do stupid things, and you're not capable of managing them to the point where they perform their job properly. You look stupid because you deserve to, so suck it. Give it a good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's just the time we need drops. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah. I mean, what was the response from the employee? Then they say something about it'd be nice if you checked your messages or something like yeah, that. Yeah,、like、they're starting going back and forth between his employees or if they're even employed. I don't know. You know, reporting. I don't know if this person's an employee, but the the immediate response after that, which I assume is an employee, because they're talking about Slack, is maybe you should figure out how to turn on notifications on Slack where we message you no less than three times. But but nonetheless,、um, you know, there's a difference between being a manager and a leader. And and my personal opinion,、uh, this individual has revealed themselves to be. No leader in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's just clicks, and it, that's how they're making money. It, he, I know he was not upset at all. He was just embarrassed、yeah. because、um, it, it didn't stop. Did they pull down the post? I don't think so. Did they? I, I don't I would, know. I would love for people like this to go out of business and no longer make money. <laughs> exactly. It's it's sad, but we. That's the world we live in now. Is oh my god! Did you see what happened? Click here to find out. Did he、yep. survive? He A new law in Orlando has got police upset. You won't believe what it is. Just click here. Yeah.、We're、fucking speed, asshole. <laughs> If you drink water, you need to read this right now. It's got like、mm-hmm. a picture of a poison symbol. Exactly. <laughs> you know,、uh, you, more, more than water, your cock's about to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> click, click here. Click here. <laughs> no, but just the thought that, like, I'm just trying to figure out how people would think. That monorails blew out in a window. You'd have to. Do you think like when those doors close, like some kind of pressurizations going on? Or yeah, I just don't understand it. <laughs> For anybody to even look at that and read the story, yeah, windows blowing out. You said like you know a guest took out windows or something like that. I see what you're saying. They did it for clicks, but I mean especially when you're like sucking Disney off too, like trying to get you know well they do get free stuff and they get to go to all the press things and everything. 
and then you run some story about a possible explosion on a monorail and just think, oh, no, this will be fine. It's fine. Yeah, this, this is good. fine. I guess we, we did, uh, I mean, to criticize us for a minute, we, we failed to explain the actual explanation for what that picture was revealing. Yeah. Um, which was that apparently, and this is <laughs> not only plausible, but completely expected from anyone who has any experience at, at with the Disney monorails as of late. Apparently the monorail either broke down on the beam or the AC failed. And the pilot said, look, everybody, you can open these windows. Here's how to do it. And that way we get some fresh air in here. So, yeah. So, you know, not still not good. And quite honestly, would that have been an interesting story in the middle of June when it's uh, 105 degrees with the heat index? Yes, it's still newsworthy. Uh, But the difference is that would have been interesting because of the story. And instead, they tried to focus their efforts on the headline, which is what they uh, seem hell bent on doing, which drives me mad. Yeah, I mean, we, we've known people that worked on the monorail before, and its procedure is if it breaks down and it's hot, you can pull the windows. They, they removed some of the windows to let some air in, and it turned into this huge shitstorm of some kind of explosion on a monorail. Here's the right. one thing, Gary, that I think you completely forgot to mention, is that I think you have way too much faith in, th- in humanity to, um, to think that they would read or educate themselves before just seeing oh blown out oh my god i'm terrified of a monorail (laughs) well i mean they were trying trying to play in the maintenance issues with the monorail and stuff like that too it's terrible i don't my concern has nothing to do with what the public reaction to this would be i don't i don't believe for a second that there is any risk of anyone modifying their behavior with regard to to riding a monorail my issue is just that um when when as a capitalist, I believe that as consumers, we have to hold producers accountable when they're making crap. And when we continue to to patronize these idiots who post shit that's you know clearly inflammatory and wrong and not well researched, we're just we're perpetuating the problem. Man, and it, sure. it just drives me nuts. I mean, this guy is known for ridiculous headlines that are completely patently inconsistent with the stories that follow. Do you think um, it had breaking headline in front of it? Probably. You know, I don't know. I didn't see it, but <laughs> you know, but but to, but to do that and then say, you know, it's my idiot employee's fault. You know what? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, that's true. That's gonna do it for this episode of Progress City Radio. Be sure to check out virtualdisneyworld.net, progresscityradio.com. Uh, we got an Amazon link on there if you want to hit it. Patreon and all that fun stuff. Utilitors.com, two O's, Scoodles.org, and uh, until next time, give it a good suck. All right, ready? Let's do it. Welcome right, to episode. Hit us, sweetheart. Welcome to episode four of the Progress City Radio. Oh, fuck, I forgot the name of the Progress City. Radio. <laughs> <laughs> I was at WWE Kingdom Cast. It's all acceptable. All right. Welcome, Welcome to episode to... four of the E-Ticket Report. I'm Tim Grassy, joined by Chris Wakefield and Derek Bergen. I love Universal. Thing. <laughs> Welcome to episode four of the Progress City. Fuck. Why do I keep saying duh?